make it through Degrassi Viewing Podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie. I'm usually sliding through life on charm. Now I'm just sliding down the quality. My, I'm the neophyte named Frank. <laughs> and today we're going to be looking at Degrassi, The Next Generation, Season 4, Episode 10, Neutron Dance. Uh, before we begin on this one, a couple content warnings. Uh, we are going to be talking a whole lot of sexism, a whole bit of ableism, and also we are going to be talking about teacher-student relationships and the power dynamics that shake out on that front. And sexual assault. Yes. It's, yeah, that one's probably going to end up being mostly talked about in discussion, let's be real. Yeah. Um, so be prepared for that type of stuff. Um, to help us through this episode, we have a wonderful guest. So while the content of the episode is not great, luckily we have a wonderful glowing presence, and that is our pal Justin. Hey, Justin. Woo! Hi, guys. Three-peat, baby! Hell yeah! Three. That's amazing. Well, you're amazing. I'm so, so glad, I'm so glad you guys are sick of me yet. You are amazing. Why, why, of course we want you back. Always. Uh, Justin, though, while you're, while you're here, because I forgot to check, double check your wonderful credentials, would you like to give a brief little list of all the awesome things that you are currently involved in? Of course, yeah. Uh, Everybody can find me at Newsarama most days, uh, writing about comics. Uh, Also at Rogue's Portal uh, as a feature writer. Uh, and at Dismember, which is a new horror website, uh, we're doing all sorts of uh, horror reviews and stuff like that. I'm also at this a little bit more niche, so I can understand if you don't really want to just jump into this. Um, I'm at the Colin Support Historical Society, where I'm their, quote, audio correspondent. I, I talk about the audio plays and uh, audio books associated with the Dark Shadows franchise, and... Um, usually just talking big finish so yeah any of those and i'm I'm for hire you guys can hire me i can talk about anything usually my rates are fairly good because i don't really have any um so you can find me on twitter at uh at uh j underscore partridge third or you can email me at justin at between the panels.com fun fact justin did you know that i'm also i have an article on rogues portal do you really i do um, it was from the My First Crush, it's from the My First Crush series. Um, I wrote about Asmerelda, predictably. Hell yes, that's a good column. I actually, I've, I've been thinking about pitching some stuff to them. But yeah, it's a great site, I'm, I'm happy to be there. Yeah, it is. I think that that section in particular is like one of my personal faves. I know one or two people who have contributed to it, and also in general, I just find it really fun. It's just this really fun nostalgia and it's just i i highly recommend that but i also recommend other parts of rogues portal it's a really nifty little site that i'm really glad that i've been able to leave a mark on so a plot b plot (laughs) yep anyway now that we've avoided the topic long enough justin please introduce our a plot and our b plot you guys just want to hang right <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you guys want to like just? Is there any more like preamble that we can maybe do? We talked a little bit behind the behind the scenes. We talked a little bit off mic just because we we like each other and we're friends. Sorry, spoiler alert. Um, but but like this is kind of a it's, it's a tough one. I don't know. Okay, so the a plot is uh, Craig Torpedoes is banned for love, and the B plot is Paige really really wants to have sex with a student teacher uh, yeah yeah um, so i don't know like uh, <laughs> fuck 
And, and you know what? Both of them amount to nothing. Right. It's... And they really do. That's... <sighs> I, watching this episode, I, I remember this episode fairly... I fairly vividly, just because I remember the, I the fallout of... I remember the fallout of Jimmy, and then I remember the stuff about... I remembered very specifically the image of Craig staring at an empty keyboard <laughs> while singing a love song, because just that's that whole... The whole thing was so funny to me. But I, I guess I remembered it being more needy? I guess, I don't know if that's the right word, but, like, I remember it being a lot more fleshed out. Yeah, it's... This is a chicken wing in terms of me, though. Uh, I mean... I was, I was really trying... I'm so, I'm so sorry, guys. Like, no. everybody at home, everybody in general, I'm just so sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, I, it's, it's very peculiar, because, like, when we got to the school shooting episode, I, I thought it was commendable that... They did it so early in the season. Because the way that I remembered this season was, like, everyone, you know, everyone is trying to cope with this unfathomable tragedy. And I know that there are episodes down the pipeline that talk about this. At least I remember it talking about it in a way that was better than the past two episodes. But it's just kind of like such a, a letdown in a weird way. Because it's like, it makes me kind of realize why that type of plot is usually reserved for season finales. It's almost like you need, as a viewer, the distance from it that you don't find it so peculiar how they try to, like, work around it later on. It's like... Absolutely. But, like, it's just, like, one of those and things... I, yeah, go on. No, sorry, I just... I also feel like the marketing of it, of this particular arc... Either was it like it could have been broken up as like a mid-season thing, but I remember the, like the ad campaign of it was so big, so yeah. much so that I was going to ask Frank, do you remember hearing about this at all? Like, just because I remember it being kind of like a thing, even outside of people who watch Degrassi, like, oh G- Jesus, Degrassi is doing a, sh- a whole thing about school shootings. Like, do you remember that at all, or did it touch you at all? No. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's wild. Frank knows, like Frank was like not in the loop at all with this stuff. I think I was still watching Digimon That's when this was going on. <laughs> yeah, no, no. When I, I, I fair enough. Pepper breath. <laughs> I I got the reason. I was very insistent when we started the show. I was like, I need somebody if I'm gonna do this show because I had the the idea for the show before I talked to Frank about it. And I was like, I want somebody who has never watched the show before and does not know shit about the show. And, mm-hmm. and the more that I talked to Frank, the more I realized he sincerely 100% knew nothing about the show. That's so wild to right. me. Like, not at all. Like, like, not even tangentially. Like, I, Okay, all I knew of Degrassi, I think I remember at one episode... Um, Jimmy says to Ashley, they're going to see the real Ash. And I think that this might have been a dream also that I had after seeing the Ash. Because I thought he then sent a, like, a, you know, a, a naked selfie to everyone. But I, that was about it. The wild, the, I knew Drake had been the on absolute it. absolute wild. 
the absolute wildest thing about this is that I also, having watched a great deal amount of the show, have no fucking idea whether or not this is a real thing that happened on the show. Because <laughs> it could be. Or an actual dream that you had. That's so funny to me. Yeah, I, yeah it's it's fascinating. I just... I... So yeah, so I guess my, my point was, I, just, I remember this being more of a, of a bigger deal. I remember this whole... Especially the page stuff. I remember being... I remember it being a lot more substantial of a plot. I remember it being a plot on Pretty Little Liars, which I watched five seasons of, yeah. and hating every moment of it. And yeah, when were... he when he gets shot, the teacher gets shot in the fifth season. Ezra, I'm just like, go, like everybody's like, no, wake up! I'm like, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. <laughs> that guy's so uh, yeah. That's a, that's a bad. That's one of like a handful of shows that I've kind of watched peripherally because my wife watched it like she burned through it and i was like do you like this and she goes no it's terrible but i cannot stop watching it um, i, I love so, yeah, her can we I get know. her on the show too she should be on the show she always sounds so fun she she's definitely because i've asked her definitely like what if you could talk about it what would you want to talk about and she was like well i mean the jimmy stuff I, yes but we were we were watching it today and she brought up a very cognizant point how in the fuck are all these kids always going out to eat? They never have any pocket money. Wow. It never shows them paying for anything, but they're always in the middle of meals or having just finished meals yeah. in like food courts. Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, I don't know. I worked constantly and I had nothing else to spend my money on. <laughs> so I don't know. The, but all of them? I mean, like, that's the thing. They that, go in big Yeah, fix it. where's that plot? Are they just all, like, are they pulling an R-gang and, like, going and working down the quarry for, like, a couple hours? <laughs> and they get some pocket money to go down to the soda, like, to the... Get... But I know, that might be Riverdale. They go to, like, the soda jerk or what the fuck ever. But, yeah, it, it was such a, it was such, like, a Matrix moment to me because I was like, holy shit. How are they paying for all this food? I have no idea. It's like my sister... Like, every time I mention Daredevil, she's just like, how does he keep his stupid law firm afloat if he's just working for per diem? <laughs> um, it's funny. Funny enough, he doesn't. That's the whole thing. That's his, that's his whole bag. He's um, a terrible lawyer. But, um... I mean, while we're talking... I, 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 I just want to point out, I do... Like, Riverdale is also taking the Pertilized trajectory of going completely batshit crazy, where, like... Yes. I, I see ads for it on Instagram. I haven't watched it in a while, but like Cheryl Blossom is wandering around with like a doll that has seemingly what? strange powers. Cheryl Blossom is my favorite character probably in any teen show I've ever yes. watched. Yeah. She would rule the school. She would rule the grass with an iron fist. But like, and I also, think that's hard. And also, like, Archie, Betty, Veronica, and Jughead might have murdered someone and are trying to cover it up. It's weird yes the implication the implication of the the cliffhanger of last season is that uh it, it may have been jughead that was murdered by archie betty and veronica what? so they have to they have yeah they have to burn all their because now betty is now like a mind hunter i don't know if you know that too she's now caught like a bunch of serial killers and is like the will fucking graham of uh, riverdale uh yeah, we stopped watching it, too, uh, because it, it really did. But I, I feel like Riverdale has the edge against Pretty Little Liars because Riverdale kind of began with going like, yeah, we're fucking crazy. 
we have an Archie who fucks. Like, it's all nuts. Like, we're just going completely insane. Well, Pretty Little Liars at the, at the beginning, again, this is just like having watched maybe 15 minutes of each episode in between, re, in between like reading something. Um, Pretty Little Liars had kind of the pretense of like, yeah, this is going to be a kind, this is going to be like a fun, serious, semi serious teen show. That, that, that isn't crazy, but just got progressively crazier and crazier and crazier while still tr- trying to maintain the pretense of being like a serious show. I don't know. Th- this could be just me projecting. Yeah, no. do, you, do you guys see how do you guys see how, how much we're trying not to talk about the contents right. of the episodes? <laughs> right. OK, I'm going to try and, and uh, steer us, steer us, steer us, steer us. We were talking about the uh, weirdness that is the b-plot i think we should talk about the b-plot first all four scenes of it all four yeah it's very odd so like we start (laughs) it's very emotional yeah i agree though justin with what you're saying like i remember this being a lot more than what it is but related to that i do also know that this is a plot that unfortunately carries over for quite a few episodes no i'm sorry heads up but like okay see I i thought it did yeah Okay, so I'm glad I'm not crazy on that. <laughs> no, 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 you're not. It 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 does reoccur for several episodes. So like it it is still odd because the setup of this one does come off a lot like like a season 2 kind of situation where it's like everything kind of ties up in a v- way too neat of a bow with maybe a couple mentions from it after the fact. But it's also kind of peculiar because like Paige has kind of been in a situation like this before, right? So, like, we're this is all about, like, her having a crush on a teacher. We have seen her have a crush on a teacher. She had a crush on a driver's ed teacher that resulted in her and Spinner having a, a issue relating to it. Blah, blah, blah. Um, it's interesting that they're doing it again. Um, and I'm always, like, I don't know. Teacher crush plots are always so dicey for me. Because ultimately, it's like, is it something that students go through? Yeah, absolutely. But also at the same time, it's like, media always does it in a way that is always, like, super creepy and weird. And, like, the teacher then suddenly is, like, taking an active role in it as opposed to, like, what it actually is, which is like, oh, my math teacher's hot. I'm getting distracted. Oh, no, I'm going to start failing math now. I got to do something about it. Like... It's yeah. It always it always takes a weird exploitive bent, and like it, you can kind of tell like in most of in most situations like this, it's kind of aimed for a sort of titillation. Yes, I guess it's weird. It's weirder still seeing it here because it's relatively wholesome. Like the way that she talks about him. First of all. First off, she enters this episode saying one of the weirdest portmanteaus I've ever oh yes heard disgrossing disgrossing <laughs> I she said that and I sat straight up and went what right gross and it's about it it's, doesn't even like it's I don't know I just couldn't wrap my head around it I'm so glad you guys. Might I have? I... Worry not. Well, like the thing about it is, is like not only was it like disgrossing, but it's like the reason why she said it was because there was gum on her chair, as if that's not like an everyday occurrence at a godforsaken high school. Like, 
<laughs> this school is godforsaken. <laughs> it is. It is godforsaken. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's 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 wayside high, like one hundred and one shit. Like it's just you. You just you expect going to some like middle class high school. You're gonna see some gum on some chairs. Like, right. It's gonna happen. Right. And also, can we? Can, can we also talk about the strangeness of Mr. Oleander, which a weird, super on the nose name, um, <laughs> where he's giving he's giving a a fucking lesson on subliminal messaging in media. Right. Like what? I, again, I've I'm I've been on record on this podcast of my jealousy and hatred of the fact that these kids have so many clubs. Mm-hmm. And now I'm also jealous of the fact that they got to kind of learn about interesting shit. I would have cut off my goddamn right ear to learn about something half as cool as subliminal messaging and media. Mr. Uh, Snake just wanted wanted a period off. Right. He's. It's like, hey, does anyone want a student teacher? Snake's like, yes, please. <laughs> just like, like, so you guys... Uh, you guys enjoy this lesson about some little messaging that'll totally help you in your adult lives. It cuts to Snake and Jimmy, Snake and Joey playing ping pong in the teacher's lounge. It's like, are you sure you don't need to pay attention to your dealership? Isn't that going under? It's like, yeah, it's a fucking lost cause. But like, this is this is where I reveal a funny story about being a student teacher, which is that um, my co-op was never in the same room as me. And I thought that was normal. And then I found out that, like, you're not supposed to do that. And you are supposed to be in the room while the per- while your student teacher is actively teaching. One, because they don't have their certs yet. But two, because you're supposed to, you know, mentor the person. And I was just like, huh. <laughs> she was literally, like, working out when I was, when I was teaching. <laughs> yeah. My first year of, um, like, teacher shadowing, mm-hmm. I got stuck with this dude, and I'm just like, I'm gonna compliment him, and I'm just gonna get everything I want. Yeah, that's and, a pretty good scheme. And, like, he, I handed him my evaluation form, didn't look at it, just circled all the fives, and just, pat, like, shooed me away. I'm like, alright, cool, I'm out. <laughs> Thanks! <Nice. laughs> I, nice. I guess it's I guess it's interesting to me, as someone not in academia, to know that, like, teachers can just use student teachers as, like human versions of putting on a video yeah just be like hey teach a lesson i guess i'm gonna go work out what the fuck (laughs) right it's it's very odd oh man my experience is not like everybody's experience but student teaching really runs the gamut because it's like you want to give it to a veteran teacher which makes sense but veteran teachers are you know there's literally two kinds of veteran teachers right there are the veteran teachers who deserve that title who have worked their asses off and deserve to be tenured and deserve and they take the job seriously um they don't necessarily even want to take student teachers a lot of time because if they want to do it right they got to put a lot of time into it and then there are the veteran teachers who have somehow coasted by and don't really give a shit do it because they get a stipend and like you know you you get what happened to me and it's it's very frustrating it's very annoying um i do wonder if i would have learned better stuff if i had somebody who was actually attentive but i mean i've ended up okay professionally but it's it's kind of weird because it was kind of like okay sink or swim but not even in a productive way it was just like like i said i literally had no idea for 
until after my student teaching experience that like that was not appropriate. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Though I will, I will compliment Degrassi High on one thing is that they are taking seriously the ramifications of trauma within their student body because yeah. Hazel reveals that they have now started a, a, a sort of um, de-stressing yoga club that the, that the student teacher is running. Yeah. Which I, which I think is kind of commendable and, and cool. And I feel like kind of like that would be a weird thing, like maybe anachronistic kind of pathos thing that you can only find in Canada. Cause like, I can't imagine seeing this on like a, uh, an American, um, high school TV show. Right. Yeah, not not in direct reaction to grief. I mean, I have a yoga class in my after school programming, but like that's like that's not because of trauma. It's just we have it. Right. Um, what I do like about this moment also is I like that Paige is kind of like going off, and then Hazel brings up the yoga and brings up that like you know it's in response to the tragedy, and Paige switches gears and is like, oh shit, like I haven't asked about Jimmy and I haven't asked how you're doing, and I thought that was actually like a really good moment where I like there's a lot of issues and a lot of gripes that I have with Hazel and Paige's relationship mostly and most of it has to do with the fact that like Hazel is not granted enough autonomy for it to truly be the kind of mean popular girl pair that like I want them to be but I am glad that we do get these moments that remind me like okay even though canon kind of failed here it's good to know that there are some moments where it's like no they they do care about each other they do like each other they are good friends and like you know Paige can kind of lose sight of herself but she she is not like ignoring the fact that Hazel is going through a fucking lot right now yeah and there are moments in this episode where I think it kind of th- this this moment in particular, I think, is really cool, just because it kind of shows also that Paige isn't a total sociopath and like can feel a connect a, a genuine connection to someone, even though like something is currently upsetting our personal orbit and it's like sending her spiraling. Um, and I also think it sets Hazel up in this episode very well to be her voice of reason. But the double-edged sword of that is that so often in this episode she comes across as like the the old page, like the like kind of the the, the motherly uh, kind of button-down wet blanket, I guess, like mm-hmm. kind of like the Annie Edison of this particular pairing. Um, I don't. Know, did you guys did you guys watch Community? Is that a, is that a failed reference? I've never watched Community, but I've watched a bit of oh, it. Oh god, god damn, god damn it. Sorry. I've, I've watched mostly of Wait, but, but, No, it's just like she comes across kind of like a very... Um, I, I mean, wet blanket, basically. Like, she's always... Like, a lot of her dialogue in this, in this episode, especially in the later the, the later scenes, is kind of just like, well, Paige, I don't... We're gonna go to jail. She has that, she has that really funny thing with the, with the fake IDs later on. Mm-hmm. But I think... Like you were saying, like I think she's a great character that the writing doesn't write up to a lot of the time. No, I think the actress is very good too. I just think they just did not play up that she is strong and she and and I've said this before on the show, like she holds her own against Paige's actress. 
And and to see them not take advantage of that is very disappointing because I actually think their banter, like you brought up the jail scene later on, I think that scene is hysterical and I think the reason why is because both of their timing is like perfect during it. Like I think that they're both really incredibly funny actresses and like, you know, may, may, you know, it's just a shame that there is a whole lot of race issues in the show because I think that they would have been... I, you know, I like them, I adore them both as characters, but ultimately I think they would have been hysterical constantly if they were written with the amount of attention, like Hazel was written with the amount of attention that she deserved. The, the thing is, like, I know I'm telegraphing the show I would write as opposed to the show that we have. Yeah. Is, like, <sighs> Hazel, you know, saying, like... You know, it's helping me get through, like, everything with Jimmy. I'm like, that's your hook. That's your B-plot. Like, right. why are we not focusing on the girlfriend of the kid who got shot? Well, there's that, and also, like, <clears throat> I was talking about this with Frank right before we, we started record, like, we started talking to each other, and it feels like if you were going to do a school shooting episode, fine, or any traumatic experience, something that shakes up Degrassi or shakes up your location and you opt to not have it be your season finale. That reads to me that, like, the next step in the writing is then catching up with and keeping tabs with and working with the characters. Like, you know, okay, keep your A plot, B plot, but have the A almost do, like, a skins kind of route where it's, like, the A plot is all about one character and how they're kind of processing the event and how they're going about their day. B plot be another character and how they're doing it and having the themes match up with each other like you would in a well crafted A plot B plot kind of episode. It's like because if I'm Hazel, I'm just sitting back and just like I cannot believe you are bothering me with this shit right now. Right or or is it, <laughs> well, there's that or it, yeah. I mean, there's that. There is that. It's like, really, you're whining about fucking gum. But also, like, we don't know not, enough... Not, not even gum. Like, the whole, like, oh, I have a crush on this teacher. Right, like, right. My boyfriend's still in the hospital. Well, like, but here's, and, like, here's the other thing. Dragging me along on hijinks. hijinks. Like, right. I'm try, like, I'm, I'm going through legitimate grief. <laughs> no, man, that, did, that actually, that, that did not occur to me. Also, it didn't occur to me, like, yeah, the more, the more interesting story is that... And also, you contingent with Hazel being a, new, a popular kid, like yeah, that in itself, I feel like is a whole plot. Well, there's that, and also like we don't have enough enough of a look in where Hazel is at in response to everything to even know if maybe she did want to just go on hijinks. Maybe she did want to just go through like you know dumb bullshit because it helps her be distracted. We saw her talk about, she says in the scene that she likes the yoga activity because she's tired of talking. But also, Hazel's not given enough time to be developed in the story for us to, to really explore it. And, like, once again, like, it should be her, like, she should have gotten an A-plot in the wake of this tragedy. It should have been about her trying to process what had happened. And maybe it is her going on a wacky hijinks adventure. It sounds like that wouldn't be a, a coping mechanism that would be inaccurate for her but you know you still have to grant it to her it shouldn't be us con making conjecture it's like we the yeah, yeah, yeah. 
like, look, like, I love headcanons. I love making shit up about, like, you know, stories and things like that. But what we're talking about are not just, like, here's my headcanon about, like, what would happen if Hazel went to the mall. Like, no, these are just, like, these are basic holes in the story that is Hazel that the writers just straight up refuse to fully develop. Like, I would have loved a plotline of everyone, like, you know, like you mentioned, Justin, like, she's a popular kid, of everyone wanting to talk to her and getting her two bits and, like, how's yeah. Jimmy doing and how are yeah. you doing? And then, like, she go starts going to yoga just to get some fucking peace and quiet. And then, like, maybe she learns that meditation is her jam and just, like, that's how she can silence things. Like, because... Yeah, as anybody who's gone through some shit, one of the hardest things to do is to quiet your brain down to give yourself some peace and quiet for, like, a minute. Like, so maybe showing her learning how to, like, quiet and center herself would be a decent plotline. It's not the most exciting one, but it's better Neither than this. Neither of these are. Like... like, it's better and not as yeah. gross as this. Like... I, I think also it's like... Sorry, you can go first. The way the, the no, it's just the way that they deal with like the whole. I just in a in a serialized narrative, the shooting is so weird because yeah. I when the episode started, I had completely forgotten that that had happened. Like that, that was something that that happened so early in that season, and I was like, oh shit, yeah, Jimmy just got shot, and then like barely anybody's talking about it. They do a like this, they do like a little bit of lampshading stuff in the Craig plot where, mm -hmm. where he actually goes and like visits Jimmy. Yeah. But I'm just, I was so struck at just how odd they're dealing with the fallout of it because the stronger show, like like both of you said, would have a button at some point of Hazel being like, "Jesus Christ, I'm so glad you took me on that weird hijink where you're trying to fuck Mr. Oleander because like I've really been having a hard time." And this was a really welcome distraction, or, or like you said, Frank, where, where her popularity is now getting to like this weird morbid thing, where now everyone's trying to talk to, you know, the wounded girlfriend, and she has to find solace somewhere else. But it's just like so odd that they just barely, barely tinge like this huge thing that happened to the entire cast throughout like just basic high school shit. It, but also, it's like, how much time has passed? Jimmy's still in the hospital. Like, Jimmy's still yes. in the hospital. Like, are, is this a case of, like, how, like, time, I feel like, this is where I think time really kills Degrassi in so many ways, because this story would function ten different ways if you set it at ten different points away from the from the epicenter of the shooting, right? If it was a week after, if it was a month after, if it was two months after, etc., etc., your, the way that this story would shake out is very different, and Hazel's emotional state would be very different. Jimmy's state, you know, physical state would be very different. What kills me in regards to the last episode we watched um, is also just, like, the idea that we say it's tragic that Rick was bullied and died. Like, that took more precedence than the girlfriend of the kid who got shot. Right. Yeah. Like, Degrassi writers, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> right. I mean, I think... And we, I think it's been, a, it's been a running theme of kind of my episodes, I guess, in that, like, I... In that, like, they leave so much stuff on the table. Like, there's yep. so much stuff 
interesting. There, there's so many amazing story hooks, and there's like so much narrative potential within like just certain characters or certain like setups or certain combinations. And they just like, well, we're gonna tell another story about the white kids. Like, <laughs> it's, it's just like that's our bread and butter. We just keep telling stories about these white kids, and like we'll just keep people will keep watching it. Right. No, it's very true. And and it kind of this this there's this like kind of like and I hate saying the word that I hate saying this plot is vapid but like there's the next scene of it is like Marco joins Hazel and Paige at the yoga business and like there's like this uncomfortably long moment where Marco and Paige are objectifying Oleander and like fine like once again like is this not stuff kids do this is absolutely things kids do but once again when like within kind of put in framed within the context of this is an activity that was organized in response to the tragedy the girlfriend of the person who got shot is right behind you like it just feels kind of mismatched and not it, it just if it was written stronger i think it would have been a great juxtaposition but it's not written as if as if it's juxtaposition it's just like, also, I go to this place for the peace and quiet. Hey, isn't our teacher hot? Yeah, thanks for making sure it's peace and quiet. Right, but like, and that could have been a plot. And that's the thing. It's like, it could have just been Hazel being like, I'm trying to find my center here. I am sick and tired of you being fucking weird. Matt, uh, yeah. Mr. Oleander is the kind of boy that my sister referred to as Namaste Garbage. Uh, yes, that's true. And I mean, we do see him... That's, yeah, that's painfully apt. He, yeah, because he, like, he does all this shit that, like, is kind of what I assume a lot of, like, male yoga instructors do, where, like, he's like, oh, let me adjust your pose, puts yeah, whole oh, hand yeah, on small of creepy, back. like, ugh, God, it's the worst. And, and the worst thing is... Also... Yes. Do, do you guys feel like do you guys feel like this plot really dumbs Paige down like yes. a lot? I I think that once again, if written correctly, it could have been an interesting look at like a survivor and how like like I think it could have been an interesting kind of thing about like I mean it depends on <sighs> I'm trying to con- make conjecture and I just am trying to imagine the writers being able to write this and I think it's it's like. It's so difficult. I think it dumbs her down. And I think that if done correctly, it could have been a story of her as a survivor being like, hey, like, fuck it. Like, I I am on a path that, like, I want to pursue new things. I have gotten out of a relationship. <clears throat> out of a relationship with somebody who was not involved in, in my sexual assault, but with somebody who was part of that whole entire, like, process and was exposed like you know was exposed to information that I didn't want them to so this idea of her being like I want to pursue new things and I want to build new sexual relationships with people and I want to be able to meet people who were not part of that whole entire shit show of my life could have been an interesting thing but once again they kind of use her in a way that she's just kind of like you said, just kind of like, just dumbed down, just very much just like this. It's She's too world-weary at this point to be this type of page. Yeah, that, that was the thing that was that was so weird, like, watching this one, is it's like, you, you just knowing cursory of what I know of where Paige is at, at this point, I just kind of felt like, well, it's like, wow, she's like really crazy focused on this one guy. And I don't really feel like 
like there's nothing interesting behind it or like you said like it would be it would be so much more interesting if it was like her going like yeah i'm gonna finally you know be someone that's just for me but it's just like nothing it's just she's just like this student teacher's crazy hot like we should get fake ids so i can get into a bar it's so weird yeah (laughs) so i I couldn't wrap my head around it yeah and also it's like when she talks about it she tells hazel she's like he was flirting with me and she's just kind of like like you said kind of like a wet blanket role where she's just like he's a teacher like by the way he's a teacher um and she makes the preface that he's a student teacher and i like my whole body clenched up when i when i heard that i was like (laughs) And the, and the word, <laughs> as I think I said last week, in the words of Lizzie Yeah, like, I was just like, ugh, ugh. It, it was so terrifying. Because, like. Is this the bit, is is this the bit at the, at the gossip and bulletin board that I, that like, the, the bulletin board that everyone goes to gossip at? Yes. Ugh. All right. Uh, next scene of the yeah, shit show. Next scene. Um, so we end up in the movie theater, and once again, this is another scene that I think would have dropped the ball. Once again, I think a lot of these girls have so much more going on than the writers want them to for this plot. Because then we have her talking to Alex, and Alex is like, yeah. okay, first she calls Spinner my, a my, fucking Kirby. My moon and stars, Alex. The great, the greatest, and she even kind of get, like tees it up to be like, yeah, if you if you think he's hot, fucking go for him. Like I, it's it's ugh, it's just so frustrating because it gets so close to being like really cool and interesting, and then it just like does nothing with it. Dude, okay, if I'm rewriting this scene, like pages in the foreground, Alex in the background, Mister Oleander is like being gross. <laughs> because that's all he is in this fucking episode. It's gross. Yeah. And like you just like like it's on um Paige's focus like the focus is on Paige in the foreground and Alex is like soft, kinda of fuzzy in the background. And then like the camera like um adjusts or refocuses on Alex and she just like um like look at this. Out comes the switchblade, and she's just tapping it. Well, she has her arms crossed. She's just tapping it against mm. her forearm, just shaking her head no at Mister Oleander. <laughs> right. Well, like the thing is, is like I'm not. It like goes white in this. I, I'm not even opposed to Alex. I don't think Alex has to be somebody who says like, "No, you can't date somebody like that." Like I, I don't, I don't really. I, I just kind of feel like, given what we know about Alex. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if you know, that I just don't feel like that's something that she's really, like, she sees as, like, this humongous, like, moral quandary. I'm not saying it's a moral yeah. quandary. I'm, no, she's I, just a tough girlfriend. I'm saying it, I'm just, or, I'm just saying she's getting yeah, ready. Getting that's, that's her, that's her theater lady. She can't, she doesn't want anybody, she doesn't want anybody barking up that tree. Yeah, she's getting rid of the competition. In, <laughs> That's her work girlfriend. Yeah, she's, um, she, yeah, she's putting in real, real time in that relationship. That's not how. That's not how Alex sees Paige. I know, man. <laughs> I will die with this. Well, shit. You, you I speak. Understand. You speak for yourself, sir. I feel. I, I will we'll ship start, like our, our own like weird weird shipping war. I will ship Alex. I don't know why this is a shipping war. This isn't a shipping war. I'm not opposed to the ship. 
That makes it sound like I have another ship that I'm like, yeah. I will ship Alex with every female character, so help me God. Fine, I'm on the ship with you. Anyway. But I also, but there there definitely is, like, I, there's kind of a do, do as thou wilt attitude to Alex that I enjoy. That yes. she's kind of like, she's not going to judge, she's not going to judge you. She's not going to tell you to be careful like your fucking mom would or like Hazel would. But mm. she's also like, you can, I feel like, again, this is, we're, we're, we're putting a lot of meat on bones that are pretty bare. Yeah, that we're kind of like we're really trying to because I don't really think that there's like an air of concern that she has for her whenever Mr. Hollander comes over and delivers a horrific line to a uh, child. <laughs> right. But I think there's kind of like she's like, well, I mean, yeah, if that's something that you feel like you need to do, go do it. Um. I feel like it would have been my a stronger beat again for her to be like, well, yeah, if that's if that if that's something really important to you, blah blah blah. Or, but I, I don't know. I don't feel like she's kind of like sheltering her during this bit at all. Mm-hmm. I just, I just, I hate this fucking plot line so much. Yeah, it kind of embodies <laughs> why I hate this type of plot in general because it's just like, it's. Uh, it's it's because it can't go anywhere. No, it can't, it can't go anywhere. Satisfying. It can't exactly. go anywhere where you're gonna. There's a book. I cannot remember what the fucking name of it is, but it's a YA book. Um, I think it's called like Cherry or something. It has a very very exploitive, gross name. Um, but it's about like the the real ramifications of a relationship like this. And it's and it has an author's note at the very end of it where the author's like, yeah, this is gross. Like, there's no there's no romance to it. There's no real like. Even if I do feel like there's a way that I could do this like consensually, romantically, ethically, just does it's not it's not a real thing. It's not a real tangible thing that readers or viewers can get behind. It's either going to go somewhere gross or it's going to go somewhere uncomfortable. It's never going to go somewhere where you're like, yeah, they, they, they should really do it. <laughs> like, defy all odds and laws, I guess. You know, you know what kills me is the only place I've ever seen this fucking plotline play out the way it's supposed to is Neon Genesis Evangelion, a show about giant fucking robots. <laughs> yeah. Where Kaji, like, Asuka's like, like, I'm a woman, look at me, Kaji. He's like, you're a child! <laughs> and, and, yeah, it's so and also, weird. Oh, Degrassi, what the fuck are you doing having, like, a male teacher, like, doing yoga classes and putting his fucking hands on students? Right. Like, why is there not another teacher there? Right. I mean, you're right. It's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's just, it's very rough, and then the next time we have the yoga class, Oleander, like, walks past Paige, and, like, then adjusts Heather Sinclair, so we actually see Heather Sinclair's physical form. But well, we don't see her face. We don't see her face, she has these chunky-ass highlights still, from back yeah, in the day. They're still keeping that card way close to their chest, I see. It's, it's really funny, because, like, I don't actually think the Heather Sinclair gag is necessarily hysterical, but I do find it really funny how much the writers love it. I, I, I honestly, like... Yeah, they, they think they think it's hysterical. Yeah, they, that's they what makes really it kind think of it's charming. charming. For, 
for, for someone who the only thing I liked about 300 Rise of the Olympians or whatever the fuck that movie was, um, Susie and I went to go see it because we were of like, this will be dumb fun. We walked out after 20 minutes. <laughs> um, wait, 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 wait. You had to go see it? You really had no, to go see it? No, we didn't have to go see it. We went to go <laughs> see on, it. Come on, man. Come on, man. My sister and I saw every piece of trash that came out. We saw Jim and the fucking holograms. That's the only thing that is true, Johnny knew about me for, like, Ever. several months to our friendship. That, that you just saw, that, that you, you were the one person that saw the Jim and the holograms movie. <laughs> but anyway, like, my favorite thing was the, like, look, over there is King Leonidas. And I just always imagine them cutting and he's just, like, behind a tree because they couldn't get Gerard Butler back because he's too busy making utter shitty films. Um, but it's just like, I... It's just him, like, waving, right? Like, no, he's just, like, no, it's, it's kind of like a bad CGI rendering. No, it's just, like, shitty stock footage and, like, oh, he's over there and over there, <laughs> but we can't show him. But it's just, like, I like I would just enjoy it if they, like, it's like, oh, we're moving this plank somewhere and Heather Sinclair's face is behind it. Or, like, they did more with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's the broader, thing. like, <laughs> No, it's true. There isn't very much of, like, a physical reference to her presence. Like, it's it's a lot of the jokes that... A lot of the gags relating to it are just verbal. Like, a lot of the time, they're just something that Paige said. It's not... I, I agree. I think if there was a physical gag piece of it, I actually think it would be quite funny. So, um... Oleander takes a call during his class, super professional, um, and is just like, hey, Charlie, meet you at Farcraft at 8 p.m. And Paige, in a move that is as creepy when a girl does it as when a boy does it, is just like, well, let's show up at this same place he's going to be, coincidentally. So then we cut to... Let's just close this out. Unless anybody has anything to say about this amazing two scenes. Like... (laughs) I, I did enjoy Hazel being like, you need to fucking have your shit down pat with your fake ID or you're going to jail. Yes. Yeah, yeah. This this was the bit I was talking about where she's like, okay, well, what's your birthday? And it's like, well, uh, yeah, well, too late, you're in fucking jail. Like, that's funny. And like, they got those fake IDs so quickly. That's what I want to That's what I want to know. Like, what was the process of them getting those fake IDs, lightning quick? Who, who yeah. at Degrassi is making them? Um, it's, oh, fuck fake that. IDs in general has always been a fun, like, it, it, it's, it's a fascinating trope for me because, like, that was just something in, in my high school. Like, who the fuck is going to make you a fake ID? Who even has a fake ID? It was just this mythical thing that, like, one person's cousin tried at one time to get into a nightclub and it worked. But it's, like, all over teen media. It's, it's always been fun. It's me. Mm-hmm. But, like, um, it, the, for me, it's the same kid who tried to buy Jimmy's iPod from Spinner. Oh, yeah, 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 Sully. <laughs> Sully, who I just, in my head, keep calling Grifty McGrifterson. <laughs> yeah, but it's like... <laughs> he just has, like, a, he has, like, a weird setup in, the, in a supply closet what, somewhere. What, what were we saying? Like, he's also the kid, like, I've just imagined... He was an online poker player. Online poker player. He sold Tracker his weed. <laughs> 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 But it's a jack really... of all dirtbag traits. It's just like it's like it's weed, but like the weed is really bad. 
Uh, right, skunky ass weed. Yeah, and it's shit. like what? It's just it's no, it's terrible dirt weed. There's no way it's good. <laughs> I'm like, like I understand that once they did this thing, you know, when Paige and Spinner try to take Ashley along on like an adventure to try and like make her forget about her breakup with Craig. Like, I feel like it would have actually been a very charming plot if it was Paige being like, let's like do fucking weird shit. And Hazel was all absolutely, for yeah, absolutely. That would be that would be such a stronger emotional connection, not only between those two, but just in general. Just like the like the the writers are actually like they made a choice. Now they have to live with it. Yeah. And now they have to show their their characters living with it. And it would even if it was just like, hey, I really want to fuck this teacher. Do you want to help me fuck this teacher? And her being like, yeah, what else am I going to do? Like, go right. cry in my room? What? Right. Like, um... I, I just, like, I'm jumping off of the weird shit thing that you were talking about, Donnie, mm-hmm. like, I, you know what I would have loved? Fucking Paige notices Hazel's not dealing with the anger that she has in this situation. Yeah. And she's like, hey... I found this TV in the garbage. I have a baseball bat. Let's go smash this thing at the quarry. Well, that's the thing. It's like... It's, Get up! Like, yeah. Like, shenanigans like that. And I think that's the thing that this... That this plot was probably trying to do, but not executing well at all, which is the idea of, like, life goes on after tragedy. Like, you don't just stop. It, you carry this tragedy with you, but ultimately you, you have to keep moving forward because what the fuck else are you going to do? Especially in the context of school shootings because it's like... I feel like this is an issue that that anybody who works in schools, anybody who goes to school feels where it's like you hear the news, you get scared, you get rattled, you remember like you're you're not safe anywhere. And then your second realization is, well, what the fuck else am I going to do? Like, as somebody who works in education, I'm not going to, yeah, you don't stop. So like. Yeah, you can't just shut down. Exactly. And like, (sighs) that's what this episode should have been which is you know keep the shenanigans of it i would love not a teacher fucking plot but you know have have some kind of shenanigans happening and have the shenanigans be a way for them trying to move on and maybe not always do great maybe hazel does cry on the adventure maybe you know maybe craig has a panic attack remembering seeing jimmy on the floor like you know have them have very real trauma responses but also are still trying to carry the trauma and move forward like that's what i think that would have been a far better restructuring of the episode and you probably could have kept quite a few of the beats that they were trying to do especially with the a plot and here it just kind of it just comes off vapid the characters come off vapid they come off flat they don't come off as as wonderfully written as we've seen before (sighs) but yeah so they go to barcraft they go to barcraft they're very happy about being okay and i was also i was also confused is barcraft just like is it like a just a war or starcraft themed bar is that something that you have in canada or is this just like a funny riff on craft beer was a craft beer a thing back in 2004 I don't know. I don't know. I was thinking. I was like, are they? I was like, are they going to show up at this bar and it, like the the reveal is going to be uh, Mr. Oleander is like a hardcore gamer and he's been playing like Warcraft or Starcraft for like hours and hours and she's going to be like, oh god, he's so gross. I don't like this anymore. That's what I was thinking this reveal was going to be. But no, it's just that he has a girlfriend that looks pretty similar to Paige. 
Does she? I didn't really see it. All I know is well, that... Well, I also have face blind... I also have kind of face blindness, which my wife makes fun of for constantly. <laughs> so they could pro- they could probably not... They, they could look like the fucking question, and I would have no idea, really. I mean, they're both white. Yeah. But uh, I do like the exchange about jail, and this is where I think it's mostly has to do with the actress's comedic timing. I think that was pretty funny, where it's just like... He's just like, yeah, so um, then we go to jail. Um, and then we go to fucking jail. Um, and I thought that was actually quite funny i think she's i like i said before i think she's a really funny actress i think she has good comedic timing i think her banter with um Paige's actress is very good um and i wish that that's what this episode should have been like it should have been just these just like focused on girl friendship i think that the early seasons of degrassi though they weren't perfect were actually very good at girl friendship i think that um our, our i Lord, was actually gonna ask about that yeah. because i kind of feel like now it has a weird relationship with girls with female friendships yes and i was gonna ask if you think if you think it's like if is it just like a character failing are they running out of pairings like what do you what do you think this is at this point i think that the first season i think you had a very a tremendous writer you had susan nielsen who had written degrassi Back in the day, wrote Degrassi Junior High, wrote Degrassi High, eventually became a middle grade writer and focused on female protagonists. I think that she... Wow, yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, she's a very good writer, and some of the better season one, season two episodes are written by her. And I think that she has a very good understanding of how women and female relationships work. And I think what ended up happening was, as they transitioned into this serialized format... I think that they leaned in on a lot of tropes in teen media that unfortunately pulled the girls apart. So the strong friendships in season one began to falter. So in the case of season one, you have Manny and Emma and their wonderful friendship and their support of each other and their love for each other. And then it degrades. And on one hand, that's, you know, it happens, right? Like you go to high school, you start changing your, you know, you start changing and shifting, your identity is forming. And friendships fall apart. But there's a difference between writing the uh, a relationship dissolving and a relationship being so antagonistic. And I think Emma and Manny's relationship is incredibly antagonistic a lot of the time because of Emma. Um, and Emma just fucking going off. And I feel like as they started leaning in more on these tropes and also they began to integrate more romantic relationships, right? So... Not only are these girls now fighting with each other because of moral viewpoints of, like, clothing and things like that, but you also have them potentially vying for the attention of men, and you end up having these characters just not be put into situations where they can nurture their close friendships anymore. And I think that's why Terry in particular really suffered, because ultimately she was a friend. She was a friend character. Like, she was somebody who was connected between multiple friend groups. She had to run interference between Ashley and Paige for a while. And that was, like, kind of interesting. I wish they did more with it. But by the time you get to this, every girl is kind of against, is diametrically opposed to each other most of the time because of their relationships with the boys on the show. <laughs> and, and it's a shame. And I think also they've fallen by the wayside, some of the friendships. Like, we have an Ellie and, and Ashley moment, and I'm glad for that. But... It's just not as prevalent as it was in past seasons. 
and it's it's a shame because I think that the strength of early Degrassi Next Generation is in its female friendships, is in the un also the unity of the girls, where you may have Emma struggling with menstruation and then you have Paige swoop swooping in to help her. Like, you still, you saw girls from different groups jumping in to support each other. And I, I just feel like everything is just so fractured and everybody is framed to be antagonistic toward X, Y, and Z characters now that you just don't get that warmth anymore that you did in some of the earlier episodes. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, they're in this bar. And yeah. They, like, I, I do. They, she, she very creepily saddles up to Mr. Oleander. He's drinking beer. Isn't that so cute? No, it never is. No, it never is. Although, Frank, you look like you had something else that you wanted to say. No, I just wanted to kind of close this out by saying I really like Charlie swooping in and being like, oh, hey, what's up? You're definitely a teenager. Get the fuck out. Right. <laughs> Right. <laughs> the only, like, reasonable, like, adult is being like, fucking get out of here. That is, like... Yeah, it was, that was very funny just how quickly, because then it, it's just, like, a hard cut to them being, like, cartoonishly shuffled out of the bar, which I thought was a very funny visual. <laughs> I, I just, I'm done. I'm done with these plot lines. I hate them so yeah. much. Well, I think it really does go back to what Justin was saying, where it's like, what the fuck kind of conclusion do you want this to go to? Because no matter what, it's not going to be a satisfying end. There's, it's not never going to end in a way that's truly satisfying, and honestly, it's just going to lead to you having to subject yourself to a teenager suffering. Yeah. And, you know... If, if you want to frame it as a, a narrative of somebody surviving something and, and be, you know, growing and into empowerment and things like that, fine. But Degrassi's already done that. Um, and there's only so much girls getting abused and fucked up that I can take. It's just kind of one of those things where it's like, if you want it to be like, ooh, look at that, ooh, somebody is hot for teacher. Like, it's, it's not... <laughs> It's just not interesting. It's not insightful. It really isn't. I can't. I can't think of a single time um, where it's ever been, where I've ever that's ever happened in a show, or in a comic, or a movie, or something that I've read and been like, <clears throat> "Yeah, I'm really rooting for them." <laughs> like it's it's never. And I wish I could. Uh, I wish I could remember where this goes. Because I know it doesn't go anywhere good, but I also remember it not being particularly like narratively, um, like memorable or like really impactful at any at any point. And it's really it's also really gross because Donnie, I'd completely forgotten that this is pretty much the exact same plot line as the the driver's ed thing. I yep. totally forgot that. Yeah, uh, it's just the worst. I was looking this up on lot. I was looking this up on YouTube to watch. And then, like, they popped up the first episode. I'm like, oh my god, the trial was this season. Yeah. I completely forgot the trial was this season. Right. And that's what I mean. Like, it could have been something of her, like, you know, trying to reclaim something. Or, like, just trying to be with somebody who isn't Spinner. And all of that baggage. And, like, it just didn't pan out that way. And it's just, like... I don't know, like, maybe it's because I am a teacher, I fucking, like, I don't want to deal with power dynamic based plots, like, unless it is true, yeah. it's just, they're, <sighs> ones with power dynamics this rigid are not 
like once again they're not satisfying stories to tell because it's like what are you going to do to break this power dynamic this isn't something that can be rehabilitated how old are they they're i i asked this last time i was on they're they're sophomores right or juniors they are okay we start when they're in eighth grade it's been three years. They're they, juniors. Juniors. Yeah, they're juniors. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Do that. The the fact that it took that long of a walk to get there, I is just the best. But why not do this same plot with a senior? Like you could do. How about we just don't still, do the plot at all? <laughs> right. Right. Well, that I mean that too. Yeah, but I mean if you're gonna sand it down and like if you're gonna like actually tell this story in a way that it can at least get somewhere like why not do i don't know let's yeah. fucking talk about craig and his dumbass pants <laughs> <laughs> no but like i think the thing is is like if you want to talk about power dynamics i'm trying not to talk about fire emblem because this is a subplot of two characters i really really care about <laughs> and it's taking everything in me not to talk about them and i hope you all respect this restraint anyway but, like, if, if you want to... You're true professional, Donnie. You're true professional. It's so hard. Oh, my God, guys. I really want to talk to them because they're, like, my favorite ship. Anyway, this is, this is the thing. I think we're also talking about two different things. I feel like a lot of people who like teacher-student shit and all that power dynamic shit are fucking weird, nasty people who just are into the power dynamic and are into the idea of somebody being super submissive and, like, basically being forced into a position they don't want to. Meanwhile, if you actually wanted to talk about power dynamics and how you can, you have to dismantle them if that power dynamic can even be dismantled. Meanwhile, in, like, the teacher-student shit, that's not necessarily, like, in this plot, like, that's not going to get dismantled. And it should also be mentioned... Like, even if you, like, even if you move states or, like, even if you do, like, end up being this thing, like, there's still, you're still in that position as they are still in theirs. It's just such a weird... Right. A tightrope that I don't understand. I don't even, I don't even understand why people want to walk it. Right. It's not even mentioning that Three Houses is fucking weird, too, with also the teacher-student shit. But this case of this plot it, it, that I'm talking about, the two, these two characters, they're both students at the Academy, that's, like, all about, like, how can we do this? How can we do this? What does that look like? It, because there is a fluidity there. There is, like, the ability for, for the dynamic to shift, and there's the ability to, to build a relationship and become vulnerable and let go of your tra personal tragedies to, to be able to proceed. And this is just not that type of plot. I'll, I'll give Pretty Little Lies credit. They took it to a logical conclusion where Ezra, the gross-out teacher, went to... Um, what's, what's her fucking character name? Lucy Hales... Oh, my God. Spencer. Hannah... Whatever. Yeah, they uh, get Lucy, married, don't they? Well, like he goes to her parents and she's like, hey, I've had a relationship with your daughter, and both of them are like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> and, you know, like, I would love to see that so that, you know, Mr. Michael Chuck and... Um, Dylan fucking throws down! <laughs> and just, like, Dylan's like, as Oleander as keeps talking, Dylan's like, you're talking a mighty big game for someone's about to get punched. Right, like, Dylan just, like, <laughs> fucking destroys him. Look out, that's a, a very tall gay hockey player. Get wrecked. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, God. Can we just, can we talk about Greg's shitty band? <laughs> yes, we can. Yeah. Okay, so. You guys start talking about that. I'm going to get some water. That's fair. Guys, I can't believe I talked about my fucking Fire Emblem ship. That's so embarrassing. Anyway. I'm so, I'm so happy that you I did. About- because, like, it's, I, I get it. I get, I, like, as someone who has hyper fixated on something for so long and, like, so intensely as you have Fire Emblem now, I fucking get it. Like, you see it everywhere. And, like, it's it's hard to kind of divorce yourself from something you're super into at that moment. Thank you, Justin. But let's talk about Craig's shitty band. I mean, I get it. I, yeah. Yeah, so... So, okay, they've won a contest. Because I was kind of... I was a little iffy on this because the episode doesn't do that great of a job resetting it up for people that are coming in fairly fresh. Yeah, it's it's so it's they've it's wanted, calling they, back from wanted, the Battle of the Bands. Yes. Mm-hmm. So so Craig is playing. With the won, it's like a day of recording. Yeah, it's like ten thousand like something ten thousand dollars worth of recording time or whatever. Um Yeah, the the monetary value threw me. I didn't I, I couldn't I couldn't really get a handle on like this weird monetary value they kept saying. Right. It, it's it's very hard to conceptualize. Um, Craig is playing with the band, but also, like, here's the thing. Last time we saw Craig's band perform, it was all about that fucking terrible, like, reggae shit. And now they're going back to <laughs> their sound from before. And it's like, it's really, I should be clear, it's his attempt at reggae that's the problem. Not... <laughs> Not the genre, but like, yeah, because it's when I think when I think reggae, I think Canadian teenagers. Right. It's just like you. You just. It's just like you know they're they're doing stuff, and Ashley's with the band, and Spinner is critiquing Ashley and what she was kind of playing during it, and Craig reiterates they have to be better for the recording, um, and Ashley suggests like, hey, like if we can't get new music together. Why don't we just do the song that you guys won for? Which is not, like, a terrible idea. Um, and Spinner... But Spinner is, like, very down on the idea. Um, and we just see that the band just has a whole lot of tension going on in it. I co- I commend the guy playing Spinner's whole attitude at the truly terrible looks that he's rocking throughout this whole season. <laughs> because in this... In this time, last time, last time I was on the show, he was kind of in this weird, like puka shell, oh, billabong, right, kind of vibe, and, and now he's gone like full on um, uh, 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 mall punk, where he's got this weird undercut. He's wearing a chain with some sleeveless t-shirts. He basically just is dressing like a bully, like yeah. he's kind of very scut farkas kind of like weird I don't get it but I, I I very much appreciate this actor like being like uh okay so shitty necklace again why not no, no sleeves sure. throw them on me buddy like I'm, I'm into great it great man undercut <laughs> because Hell also yeah. yeah yeah give me give me this weird set of bangs that I can never fully get a handle on bring it on I'm, I'm into it but once again we have two characters who we saw Spinner looking kind of concerned when people were talking about it last episode. Spinner was the cause of Jimmy getting shot. Craig saw Jimmy get shot. 
are we going to have any deep, in-depth look at what their feelings currently? Nope. No. Fuck no. you. We're not. <laughs> we're not going to talk about it at all, except during one scene where we barely even talk about it. Then, even though I'm talking to the literal shooting victim that I saw get gunned down in front of no, me, no, to, I'm still really concerned about this band shit. No. To be fair, though, as somebody like who hangs like over the last few years, I've had to hang out with people who are battling like diseases and whatnot i've always taken the tact of just like you the, the folks you're talking to have to talk non-stop about what they're doing like the, their medical business and whatnot so i generally keep the conversation away from that because like why do they need one more reminder yeah weird thing like you like you said like they just don't they're not dealing with it at all they're just they're bare and it's it's worse still that they barely even mention it like even just for thematics it's just like mm -hmm. well it's another day in degrassi and like it's so weird it, it doesn't like it's not it's too haphazard do, do you remember the do either of y'all remember the fam the south park episode where they're talking about family guy and the manatee that comes up with jokes for that show no I don't think about South Park. I, I, I just happened along it one day. When I, I remember this. I remember this setup. Yes. Okay. Well, that's what I feel like they're doing with this afterwards, where they're just like, like the manatee chose this plot line. It's like, but we have all these much better balls for it to choose. No, the manatee has spoken. We must go with the manatee. <laughs> like once again, if, it's if, very odd. If, yeah. Like if you wanted this to be. These are kids coping badly. There's a way to do that story. If you want it to be kids trying to ignore what is happening until, like, you know... I don't know. It's just, like, you don't need them to cry, necessarily. But it's, like... there's. It just feels like it's just slotted in, in a way, just so. That's just not a level of authenticity that I think they needed for, for this to really land. It's... I don't hate the hospital scene... And, but, like, the other thing is, like, Jimmy just drops that he's crippled. Well, like, the thing about that, is yes. I think the thing that infuriates me about that scene, and I don't know, because I don't know the writers, but the way that that whole entire exchange is written, it doesn't feel like it was written by people who are disabled. Yeah. I think that's kind of the issue, and Absolutely. I feel like it's yeah. going to be the issue with Jimmy, is... A lot of that plot should have been written by disabled writers. Just period. Like, I understand, especially in this time period, because let's be real, like, you know, in this time period, um, and even today, we, we unfortunately have a lot of actor, like, able-bodied actors playing disabled characters. And I understand, like, in this case, it was like, well, we had this character for seasons, and now we're going to do fine, whatever, bullshit, but okay. Um... But you can still have disabled people in the writing room, and you could still have disabled people directing, and you could still, like, do all that type of stuff. Now, I'm, I can't speak 100% for the writing room in terms of that type of stuff, but the way... It's very complicated because it's like, I understand why a kid feels this way and says these things, but also at the same time, it kind of intersects with that, like, you have a responsibility as writers. You have committed now to having a character that's disabled, now you have to do right by the by the physically disabled community in in doing this correctly and using language in a way that 
makes, you know, that is appropriate. And, and I feel like it's also one of those things where it's like he talks about, like, I forget exactly how the exchange goes, but it's something along the lines of, like, he uses, like, they talk about being crippled and then blinded and, like... Uh um, you have the transcript. You're okay. the transcript, man. Okay, look, I may be crippled, man, but I'm not blind. Like, that's the thing. It's like, on one hand, <laughs> is it possible that that's how kids would talk in this situation? Perhaps. But also, once again, it just kind of comes off like somebody who's not really thinking about the deeper deeper implications of lines like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah it's, it's just very crass. It's very crass. It's kind of hokey. And it's just not quite what I think a moment like this how a moment like this should really be written in the context of like a teen meet a piece of media who has assumed the responsibility of like educating its viewers and um and listeners um if you know more than we do please write into um i hope pod at gmail.com for sure we are also talking out of our asses but we would like to be corrected we, we unfortunately can't go time travel back and yell at the degrassi writers yeah yeah but it's just like i i just once again it just kind of it does feel kind of like i keep wanting to i keep thinking of the word hokey and like i don't think 100 it's hokey but it kind of is in the similar vein of it's just like well i'm not i like you know i may be crippled but i'm not blind it's like Really? <laughs> and you're gonna and I think this is a trap that, that Jimmy falls into kind of consistently afterwards is that it seems that like the only move that they know how to make with this kid now is like, well he hates himself because he can't walk, you see. So that's all he's gonna talk about now in any relationship. It doesn't matter what it is, he just he really, really hates himself because he can't walk. And you're just like, wow, well, Jesus, I guess he's just like not a person with any other feelings or emotions or desires or well, needs afterwards. Let's be he's real, just he's like this kind of basketball. And speaking of which, uh, like we've jumped straight from, we've jumped straight from he is a survivor um, from, of a school shooting to flippant. In three episodes. I mean, I'm gonna say, I will say this. Jimmy, we have seen cope through sarcasm and cope through being flippant. I don't think that's inherently bad. I don't think the hospital scene is inherently a horrible scene. I think the beats that they're trying to hit are not unnatural. I think the fact that Craig is trying to visit his friend, uh, not unnatural. Jimmy having kind of like a, 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 a optimism of sorts about the situation, believing that he's going to recover, believing that he's going to be able to walk. Not a bad beat to have. It's just the way that everything falls into place. It's very like weird, unnatural, kind of herky-jerky about the whole thing. You know, you know what this feels like to me, and this could be me because how long, how long has this been since the shooting? How many episodes? Two. Two. Two episodes? Yeah. This felt like this this script came in and somebody said, well, we need at least one scene with Jimmy. Right. Like, we can't... It, it felt very kind of stupid. And again, this is just going to be me projecting because I'm not actually in production and I, I'm just talking out of my ass. That's how it felt to me as a, uh, a watcher and a fledgling content creator. It felt to me... Like someone turned 
turned in this script and then somebody else was like, well, we need at least one thing with Jimmy where we have, we have to get, we have to get him back on the board. Right. That's Cause this, is this the first time you've seen him since the shooting? Yes. Yes. Like it's the first. It's the first time he's been like an actual like, like spoken dialogue with somebody. All all of last episode was Toby and JT. Yeah. And somebody else. And yeah. Something else. They just walked. They were in his hospital room, but I think he was still out. Yeah. Last. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. This. this di- okay. Then now I'm even more convinced. Uh, I'm, I'm now talking out of my ass with at least semi authority. That this felt like somebody being like, we need Jimmy, we need to like, we need to reset where he is now, we need to kind of maybe start to build that something is not right, that he may, that he may be paralyzed, he may be not. Um, so, I mean, it, and I feel like that maybe maybe to blame for kind of the flippancy, excuse me, and like slightness of it. Mm-hmm. But to me, it just, it felt like a very tacked on kind of like, we need at least to get Jimmy talking again and this is the quickest way to do it. And this is the quickest plot that we can kind of insert him into quickly to get him in and out, just to let people know that Jimmy's up and around or he's talking like, and he's, he's going to be a known quantity again. I agree. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. My, my thing is just like, once again, this is a plot line, like Jimmy coming to terms with this. But all things considered, now that I'm saying that, I then consider the Degrassi writers trying to tackle that kind of subject matter, and, oh boy. I, I really don't think they thought it through. Like, the more I think about it, the more I kind of recall some Jimmy plots and things like that, I don't think they really understood, like, what it meant to commit to having a physically disabled Absolutely. character. Absolutely. And especially Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it was a big idea. It was, yeah, especially Jimmy. A, yeah. a character that's, like, so, so known within the, the, the cat, like, the, the microchasm of this show by his physical prowess, by the fact he's an athlete and, like, a huge jock. This, and I, this, this may be, again, me just projecting and just how I feel as a, as a viewer. The whole Jimmy thing to me always felt like a really big idea that no one thought they would say yes to, they then said yes to, and were like, well, Jesus, what do we do with this now? Because, like, as you'll kind of see, Frank, further and further, as long as this gets, it just kind of, like, really starts to peter out. And they're just like, well, I mean, there's really nothing else that we can do with this. I I don't know. Again, it could just be me projecting, but it's always felt like a really big idea that no one ever really thought they would have to completely follow through through with. Even, even, like, my thing is more, like, what was Jimmy's future before this? Like, he was going to basketball camp. He He was was, getting scouted, potentially. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. is gone. It's gone... It's, it's, it's the Friday Night Lights thing. It is Friday Night Lights! I've been trying not to say it, but it's Friday Night Lights. Bart, it's, the bingo board, like, people yeah, are just it, throwing it, the podcast bingo board right now, just going, God damn it, Donnie, you're going to talk about any other media that you know, you watch, you play one video game and you watch two TV shows. Here, let me give you another, <laughs> let me give you another space, um, listeners, Mama Onu, boom, there you go. Um, <laughs> but, like, but, like, but I think the thing is, is that, I think that, it, number, like, I think it's one of those things where, um, 
it's almost like what happens when I feel like this happens a lot when you like it's almost like your first draft issues as a writer where you're like I'm gonna kill off this character because it's gonna have the most dramatic effect I'm gonna have this character get injured in this way because that's the most dramatic effect and in the moment yes that is a very dramatic moment right fine have Jimmy get shot fine have like you know whatever but also if you want to do it right you also have to think of what the fallout is and 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 i think that these episodes have really faltered on that fallout but i think they really really were like no this is going to be really dramatic it's going to be really sad and then it's like well now you've committed to this and then they're like fuck we don't know what we're doing we're out of our depth uh, okay, and seeing how everybody is throwing, like, seeing how you've thrown in your show, I'm throwing in my Canadian TV show. I don't know why you're so threatening about this. <laughs> and somebody gets their leg shot off in Battlestar Galactica. It leads to a mutiny. <laughs> but, like, that's the thing. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, like, you can have it's, that happen. Like, have Jimmy a, throw a, a mutiny the at the school. Oh my god, this episode's so terrible. I hate everything about it. Let's just let's jump into the stupid band stuff. Okay. Um, so the next scene that we have, well, we have Craig being like, I'm never getting back with Ashley. And then like next scene, Ashley's adapting his song for piano. <laughs> next scene immediately getting back with Ashley. Like... Yeah, oh, Spinner comes in with fucking with Manny and he's like, Yeah, call me sticks. <laughs> She's oh my, my um, okay. This Admit- fucking thing. Admittedly, he loves a self-appointed nickname. <laughs> he loves it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Um, but yeah, he's like, yeah, well, I can bring girls to the thing too. What does somebody think about me? I can bring girls in orange cowboy hats. But like, also the thing with Spinner right now is he's fucking the reason, like not the reason, because I, you know, I don't want to suggest that. Like, I, 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 he's the one that did the whole thing to Rick. Like, he's just like, well, somebody think yeah, about he, me, and it's like he for sure has at least a, at least has partial culpability in what's befallen the school. Right. And I don't think they don't like, think... ever touch on this. I don't think partial kind of covers it. I think he's like goddamn Satan. <laughs> I mean, he, regardless of, because like I, I feel like I feel like if we, if, it's kind of difficult to talk about this because I feel like I don't want to give like Spinner one hundred percent. It is all his fault. He definitely pushed the timeline in the way that it did. That's what I will say. His actions with Alex and um, Jay. Jay set the timeline the way that it was. Not to say that we wouldn't have always yes. ended up in that same conclusion not, or anything like that, but they were the ones who enacted this route for, happening. So, like, it, it's also kind of odd, because once again, like, we don't see that, not saying that we have to see it carry over throughout all of his actions, but, it, you know, you see him kind of, like, the last time we see him, he's really, like, angry, leaning against the wall, like, holding this this information and, like, just kind of, like, pissed off. And in this, scene, in this, he's just belligerent the whole fucking episode. He's he's back to normal as Spinner. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't come yeah, off like he's this trying weird to push through. There's like this weird standoffish glee that he has with like stirring yeah. the pot within. Like, also, who is this? This poor, poor lady that Spinner brings into their rehearsals. And, and forces to dress like Kelly Rowland from, like, 2002. It's Manny! 
Go fuck yourself. That's, <laughs> that's insane. No, she's growing up. Like, no, it's Manny. I, that is Manny in an I, orange cowboy hat. Yeah, it's Manny. Truly, truly, the entire episode, I'm, I'm like, who the fuck is this you, lady you, that he's just tooling around oh with? You, 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 real, you real life, um... A joke I made on Teen Girl Talk, where I talk about how when I see somebody wearing a different shirt than they were the other day, my immediate thought is, who is that man? I don't know you! And then I'm like, oh no, it's that person just wearing a different shirt. But like, but also, yeah. I will say this- I, I am shook. I am but, absolutely shaken to my core. But I will say this- poor Manny. Ugh. But I, I will say this, with Manny- I feel like the fact that you still could not tell it was her also speaks to how she was fucked up in the characterization of this. She comes off very vapid and very just, like, bubbly, weird, like, you know, just yeah. kind of like a... I, th- I thought it was just some rando tambourine lady that, yeah. that Sticks had, had found down the mall. Stop calling like, Sticks. Well, I, <laughs> I was like, well, this... I was like, well, I mean, I, sure, I, I'll, 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 I'll bite. Like, he's just hanging out with some, oh, man. I, I, viewers, I mean, listeners at home, I'm, I've, I'm just sitting here, like, with a hand on my heart. I, I'm, I'm taken aback. I can't even speak. Yeah, no, but like. Manny, man. It's, it's just not, it's, it's very, it's, it's double downs on that, like, I don't know, like, that very just, like, vapid image that I wanted to believe they were kind of trying to back away from, but, like, they just really lean into it in this episode. And, like, it's, it's very frustrating, very disheartening. Just throw in fucking Darcy! We're making her a thing! Right, like, that, that feels like it should have been Darcy's role, but, you know, also we suggest, I suggested that she should have also been a part of the school shooting episode, like... Anyway, neither here nor there. But, like, in, in the next scene in the library, Manny and her cowboy hat say that Spinner needs to, like, change his shirt and that they're doing an interview. Manny and her cowboy hat. <laughs> <laughs> There's also, she, th- this now makes another bit even funnier in that, um, oh, God, what's her name? The, the, the school newspaper lady. Liberty. Um. Who has, like, not been on the test since the penis pump episode. Uh... She was very funny when she just, like, she breezes in and she's like, okay, fucking, who are your influences? Where do you fucking see yourself? Like, she could not be more bored or distracted with the fact that she has to do this. Meanwhile, Craig and Ashley are acting like they're on the fucking cover of Spin. Like, they think they're taking this so seriously. But the picture thing is very funny because they are in the foreground, um, Manny and Spinner and uh, oh, oh God, what's his name? Come on. The, the, the poor, the, the poor unfortunate with a uh, leather with a denim jacket in the opening. Marco. Oh God, what's Marco? Oh God, there were people screaming at me, but they yeah. they're all in the background. But it's, but Manny is so excited just to be in the picture. That it makes the picture so much funnier. It is. It's really funny. But, like, I also love how it's like, what are you influenced by? And they're like, Death Cab and Neutral Milk Hotel. And I'm like, are you? Yeah, fuck I, you. I don't like, like <laughs> I, do, I don't remember Ben Gibbard's trip into white man reggae. Right. Like, I'm like, really? 
okay. Oh, okay, though, though, a reggae cover of I Will Fall You Into the Dark would, I think, kind of work. Oh, man. I could get behind it if done correctly. Ugh. I could get behind it. But, like, yeah, no, they take the awful <laughs> picture. They, and, like, the answers are super generic, but, like, like the questions are super generic, but Ashley and Craig are, like, trying so hard. Um, and then they get the it's... picture. It's funny. It's, like, the funniest part of the episode, but I don't think it's meant to be that funny. Like, I think I just find it funny because, like, I, I, because musicians are tedious human beings sometimes. Um. Yes, absolutely. And, and it kind of, it, it fits the same rule that, like, I, I heard somebody on, a, on another podcast talking about reality shows. And they said that any time a reality show shows someone, and if it's not a music show, if anyone shows someone else playing an instrument on camera in a non-music reality show, they are making fun of you. Are we talking about Tom Sandoval and his trumpet? 100 for Tom Sandoval on the trumpet, the goddamn anything having to do with DJ James Kennedy, um, any band that's ever been on a Housewives show. Sheena's pop music career. They are making fun of you. They they do not think you're talented. They do not think you're special. They are making fun of Melania's dance career uh, and single. God, I why? Jesus Christ! Why does Bravo keep? I mean, because to humiliate them, that's the thing. Um, oh, the coffee and and whatever song that Ashley sang in Potomac. Oh man, I this is we can you can make an EP out of like just the Bravo related songs, but like I feel like this scene has the same has the same energy where like. Ashley and Craig are taking it so seriously and they're giving like all they're trying to like give these well thought out answers and be so deep and like but still so cool and 100% this scene is making fun of them. There's yeah. no way it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd love to just like over the credits they're just leading Liberty's article where it's just like this band doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. I can only stand talking to them for two questions of a 20 minute interview. <laughs> I deserve better yeah, than this. I hey, took, where am I on the season? I, <laughs> Do I have I any took friends? One unfocused JPEG of them. There you go. Um, I was looking at the Grosso Wikipedia page for this, um, and uh, listeners, if you get a chance, check out the Wikipedia page because it's just a thousand pictures of Paige closed mouth smiling. <laughs> um, <laughs> Anyway, so next next scene, we're in the classroom. Spinner and Marco ask Ashley. Okay, sorry. well, ask Craig for Ashley to leave the band. Anyway, yes. Sorry to interrupt you real quick. Can we just also take a moment to talk about poor put upon Marco in this episode? Yeah, Marco. Oh God, so many, so many track jackets. They got yes. the kid in so many track jackets. It's crazy. Yes, yes, they do. Um, yeah, Marco's characterization is very wonky. It's. I feel like, once again, I feel like this is just like, we're going to do high school shenanigans. But, like, it, nobody really seems to be acting quite right. But not enough for me to say that they're entirely wrong either. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it feels like they're just very, like, flat interpretations of these characters when we've seen what the complex versions of these characters look like. Was there, I feel like there was, like, a fan fiction, fan fiction writing contest among the script writers, and this is what they got. I would just put it, send it back, OOC, like... Right. But, um, I do, I do enjoy this a little bit. Um, Marco, hey, Craig, we have a problem. Okay, let's talk. Like, uh, Spinner, Ashley's gotta go. Marco, whoa, sticks. Hey, slow it down. Yeah. Ashley's gotta go. 
Yeah, Ash has got to go immediately. Going into it's such a it's it's such a like a time. It's a it's a fairly tired dialogue convention, but like holy shit, does it work in Marco's hands? Like it's the best. Because Marco is an Italian, hence he's like his actual like internal age is like fifty. Like we age, we <laughs> it's age also very... internally, like <laughs> like fucking in like we're like dog years. <laughs> um, and, and Craig's like. Wait, is everybody gone nuts? And the boys are just like, it's either her or us, my dude, her or us. Right, right. And, 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 <laughs> and yeah, and they just leave him. And then, of course, Craig, who has no impulse control, approaches Ashley. He's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Um, and she's like, I'm just so nervous, blah, blah, blah. And then they kiss. And she does this hysterical slinking off where she just keeps double taking at him. So oh my god, I was gonna bring this up. This fucking shot of her trying to walk down the hallway goes on for so long and it, it serves no purpose. And it's just like her, she walks two steps and then she looks back and then she kind of like coquettishly like, oh, I just got kissed. And then like takes two more steps, and then looks again, and then does this. We- oh god, it fucking it blew my mind. Yeah. So here's the thing: I was trying to find pick up where I was because I had to stop and start this episode like five times before I could finish it. And I was like skipping through, and I got to the, the part where she's like, "So you want to tell me something?" He's like, "I'm not sure. I'm here." And jumped ahead just to her walking back away from him, <laughs> and looking back. I'm like, "That's confusing." <laughs> I was like, "I should probably rewatch this whole thing." I'm like, "Oh, that's why." <laughs> Yeah. But, like, the idea of, like, her just going, you want to tell me something? Cut back to her just walking away. Right. And this just walking away very slowly and deliberately while staring at him occasionally. Right. There's also a very weird, a very odd, um, long reaction shot on her towards the end of the episode. I think yeah. it's in their last scene where it's just, it's just a static shot of her face and she's supposed to be just like emoting, but she does like she does it like once and then just stops. But it's still another like twenty to twenty five seconds just holding on her face. It was oh god, it was very weird. It was. Um, the next scene, unless you have something else to add, Frank. No, I was about to say next scene is them at the dot. Yeah. So the guys are just like, oh yeah, she was dropped. Hell yeah. And then he's like, uh, no, because uh, we're back together. And and Marco's very like, we gotta go. <laughs> we gotta leave. Marco's like, it's time for some revenge. Right. Um, and then we end up in a scene of, which is, which also should have probably been something that was dragged more out of this episode, which is that Ellie is fucking packing up Sean's shit and mailing it out to him because he just impulsively decided he's going to stay in Wasega. Um, and also, I don't know what is up with these transcriptors on this website, because the transcript reads, at Ellie's, parentheses, heh, Sean's, close parentheses, place, what the These fuck? are some old fandom fucks. What the fuck does this mean? They're just old fandom fucks, I'm telling you. <laughs> These weirdos. Um, Ellie makes a point that, like, you should, like, stay away from boys, because, um, I love this line. They enjoy messing with our feelings and sticking us with the rent. It's, uh, also, like, that's so incredibly upsetting and worrisome to me. You have a kid who's yeah, trying to escape. Yeah, it's dark. It's really dark, because she's trying to escape an abusive situation, and now she can't potentially pay her rent and and he like i'm supposed to believe he doesn't give a shit like that's also the thing here it's like i'm supposed to believe that he did not like you know funnel some money her way or you know not think about that like i just can't i understand that you know sometimes you go through a traumatic experience and you got to work on yourself and you got to focus on yourself 
I'm not saying that that whole entire concept is bad, but the fact that he is allowed to just kind of waltz out and there are no deeper consequences or deeper conversations about it makes no sense to me. Oh, the thing is, I was thinking this more as figuratively, not literally, because I'm assuming Ellie now has the same setup that uh, Sean did through the school. I don't know if she does. Well, I don't know. It would make sense if she did, but yeah, I don't know like, if she I'm would. A, well, like, I'm assuming she would talk to Solve Solve about it. Like I don't know. I don't know if she would do it because she still has connection with her father. Well, her father's overseas. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know if she would. Uh, anyway. So whatever. Anyway, if they're not gonna bother with it, we shouldn't bother. Well, that is probably true. We end up at the bat again. <laughs> Ashley sits across from Craig. Um, says, and you know, they they apparently like Craig wanted to meet before rehearsal. Um, and they're like, you know, we're really confused. And what I do appreciate is Ashley being like, well, what? maybe we're just responding this way because of, like, what has happened to Jimmy and everything. Like, maybe us kissing, it's familiar, it's, yeah. it's comfort. And this is, like, almost could have, honestly, this alone could have been, you could have opened up the episode with them hanging out and kissing and then having to figure out if they have genuine feelings for each other or it is just a trauma response. That also could have been an episode. Yeah. Yeah, I like this. I like this a lot because it's kind of like it. I think you. I think you touched on it really well earlier when you said that kind of the serialization of it really hampers some of these human moments that they could have because mm-hmm. like they have to move. At, they have to move at a specific pace in order to do this, this, and this. But yeah, I really like the. This, uh, first off, I love the fact that she's like, "Oh, what, what's so important? You sent me this text in all caps." Oh like, yeah. Remember, remember when that was? A, remember when that was a thing? Uh, yeah, right? Like, I send a caps to Frank all the fucking time, and it's just me going, yeah! <laughs> but no, I think, I think that is an interesting idea, where they could they, they could have a genuine conversation about, like, backsliding, and, like, how, like she says, you just, like, when something bad happens, you reach for the familiar because it's familiar. Right. But then they just kind of, like, they just hand wave it away, and then it just, it just... They never go back to it. And that could have been the theme of the episode, too, right? It could have been, like, Paige being like, what's familiar to me? Boys liking me. Or something like that. What was my last <clears throat> text message I sent in all caps? Do I want to know? Uh, all caps. All caps. What was my last... Because, like, I say dumb shit in caps lock. Um, <laughs> Let's see. Um, oh, I sent... I sent Donnie this Tumblr post about um, every rat guy ever. Rats cannot throw up, so they're very... Cautious of unfamiliar foods, they taste tiny, tiny amounts of food to make sure it is safe before eating it. My rats, mother, may I please eat poison? In all caps, this is true. No, it's literally just how I. Fun fact about me: I I might as well like write messages out as if I am a fucking um like a a, a seventy year old on Facebook. Because, like, all I do is write in caps lock. If you follow me on Twitter, you know this very often. I am not going to search my last caps lock tweet because I'm sure it's fucking embarrassing. Um, the last, well, I've, I think I've finally gotten out of texting like, like a straight dude, as Donnie has called it. Yes, you do tweet, yeah, it's true, you have gotten better at it. Um, though the last all caps text I sent was to my mom because we were talking about a friend, uh, a, my sister's friend who just had a baby, um, to which my mom said, good, small headed babies, uh, the mother looks good in the picture. And in my family, we're known for our giant heads, to which I, t- I 
texted my mom in all caps. We didn't ask for our heads to be this big, mom. Living in constant fear of getting stuck in small spaces and pickle jars. <laughs> to which my mom said, why are you yelling at me? Big heads, big brains. <laughs> to which I replied, have you met us? <laughs> I love it. That's so good. My mom's like, you're both very intelligent. Shut up. Aww. <laughs> That's very Aww. sweet. Um, yeah, no, I literally am always in caps lock. I, I checked my tweets and I realized that my tweets are not going to be as in caps lock as in my DMs, which are much more of a nightmare. And because a lot of the time, I just get very excited, and if somebody says something, I'm like, yeah, that might be true! And it's just like... Or just like, I'm falling apart! I don't know, it's just, whatever. Anyway, it meant something here. I liked Ashley's response to it. I think this should have been the theme of the episode. Unfortunately, it's just like a one-off moment. Um... The next scene, uh, it's at Craig's, uh, you know, Craig's area, his rehearsal space thing, and Spinner, uh, is like, hey, I put Minnie on a tambourine. Minnie's like, yeah, here I am with a tambourine. Can we get a prettier one? Right, like, that, once again, it's That just... gag of her just walking in, shaking a random tambourine is so good, because it's <laughs> such a specific, a specifically musically shitty thing to do to somebody right. <laughs> like it's so it's so it's so pointed to be like well i mean everybody could use a tambourine right fucking fleetwood mac had a tambourine <laughs> and they just it's like bring in some rando who i now know is a major character of this show <laughs> to play the tambourine uh it's so funny and then fucking marco brings in his is um uh, accordion, uh, accordion. Um, and, like, the thing is, part of me, what, what was making me laugh is, like, at this point, I was listening to bands that actively used accordions. Right, right. Like, good, I was like, that makes sense. The, um, The Good Life, Arcade Fire, um, Bright Eyes, but, like... Yeah, Arcade, Fi I, Arcade Fire has, like, seven accordions in that band. <laughs> but, like, I, I would have been... I and I love the arcade... I wish they would have just kept reaching for different um, instruments. Like, right. Like we put Manny on the. Um, oh fuck! What's that? What's that instrument? It's like we put Manny on the saw. <laughs> <laughs> or like, um, or like, fucking. You know what would have been even funnier? Like Manny comes in and like unpacks a theremin. That's it. Like, oh yeah. Ashley pops in, and I was like, oh, goody. Yeah, Ashley's like, uh, why are we making all these changes? And then, like, Craig is just, like, starts singing with with Marco on the accordion, just, just fucking that going hard. That was a legitimately funny moment. I don't really like Craig as a character, but that was a legitimate, legitimately funny moment where Spinner's like, alright, let's just get this bullshit. And then, like, he's, he starts, like, a half-hearted beat. Marco starts playing, and then Craig is like, well, I guess I'm just singing now? And I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. That was, that's the thing, it's like, I would, like, there, there are moments that I just, they just pull more out of, this would have been a fine episode. Um, my favorite part is that they sound better than when they were playing reggae. Right, right, right. One million percent they sound better. <laughs> are we ever gonna talk about this, like, was it, I think we keep calling it, are we ever gonna talk about that? I guess we're never going to talk about that phase, Degrassi, because that was fucking weird. Anyway, let's go to the recording <laughs> studio. Everyone enters. They're doing... Spinner's doing this really weird posturing, which he's been doing the whole entire episode. Um, and Ashley's like, are we actually serious about, like, this whole, like, accordion tambourine business? Um, 
And as she's inquiring, Manny, Spinner, and Marco are like, we're going to fucking leave. Hey, there's free food. Um, and Craig then takes that as his cue to be like, hey, you gotta go. Like, Manny's, like, lines are, are now, like, can we get a prettier one? Dibs on the cinnamon buns. It's there, very there's weird. No, there's nothing that sets her apart from an extra in this episode. No, there was no need to, honestly, like... I understand that they're kind of angling for Spinner and Manny to be together, but, like, the way that she was acting, like, they might as well have gotten Darcy or an extra or something like that. Because, like, it just, it, especially in the sense of, like, her whole entire thing with Spinner, she was so, like, distraught about the lines being crossed and things like that. To see her just kind of lean into this role, it, it... It's just like, what are we doing with Manny? Like, what are we doing here? Never mind the fact that this is like, uh, this is a character of color. You're having her continue this track of being like the spicy, exotic girl. And it's just like, can we let up? Can we just one episode, just have Manny be able to be a person? Fuck, make her be a theremin prodigy or something weird and funny like that. And, like, let her just kind of, you know, be. Like, why why do we have to watch her be, play this role? It's not necessary. It's not enjoyable. And it's unrelenting. Uh, um, so, yeah. So they start recording. Um, Ashley leaves. They start recording. Craig's trying to, to perform. And he's not quite into it. We've heard him sing this song better before. Unfortunately, we have to listen to a obscene amount of it for us to know. And he's, like, staring at the keyboard the whole fucking time. He's thinking about Ashley. Blah, blah, blah. And he's just like... I, I, I would love to just have like cut to the recording studio producer and engineer just being like... <laughs> I mean, we're fucking still getting paid for this. Right? Like, like fuck you, you have a meltdown. I don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> you're on the clock. You're well, in the time. Mean, it, it is very funny that they do cut to they do cut to the text, and it's like some random black guy and a guy that looks like Brett the Hitman Hart. That's just <laughs> like giving him the thumbs up with those weird tiny round glasses and like silky long hair it made it was so weird like this show sometimes delivers such dynamite weirdness that they don't comment on at all that makes it so charming and like that was like a perfect microchasm of like why i do think it is so weird and why i do think it is it's it's uh warranting discussion that that can just like happen like that's such a weird visual can just go completely unnoticed or like completely unspoken of to where like someone can't be like that guy kind of looks like bret hart like are we just not gonna okay we gotta record this song and then <laughs> well we had billy Ray cyrus as a limo driver and that nobody, was great nobody would, oh my god what would dallas is up to right now that was so good what <laughs> when i find myself in times of trouble Oh, Mother Mary comes to me. Think about Dallas and let it be. Right. Uh, so, so he runs out into the street. And Ashley's conveniently uh, close enough. Costing, costing them thousands of dollars that these kids now have to pay. Uh, I mean, well, no, it's the prize money. It's yeah, just they've, it's, they've but, squandered it, but like... They said they got $10,000 $10, of recording time. Which at a low end studio is about a hundred bucks an hour, so they have about a hundred hours to go. 
Right. Like, that's also what I didn't understand. Like, how high-end is this recording studio? Um, I have a lot of questions and no answers. But anyway, Craig catches up with Ashley. <laughs> and Ashley is just like, uh, why didn't, why aren't you recording? Uh, um, and he's like, well, everything was about you. And I'm just like, oh, man, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I don't care. She has a very weird, she has a very, very weird reaction to it where, like, he pours his heart out. She kind of is just blankly looking at him with, like, this, like, half-parted lip thing that she, like, always does. And then he goes to leave, and then she's like, well, if you think you're I'm just going to let you walk away. Well, yeah, I did think that because he didn't fucking say anything. Well, I was pouring my heart out to you, so I guess I'm just gonna leave. Like you've given, you're giving me nothing. Right. I, I have no, I have no read on you whatsoever. Are, are you in favor of what I'm saying? Do you not like what I'm saying? Are you like into giving us another shot? I don't know, because you're just staring at me like fucking Pennywise, the clown. Like, you have to give me something. <laughs> she eventually grabs him and kisses him. So that is the song. How do we? How do we? How do we feel about Ashley? Just um, his character. Uh, uh, Ashley has lost a lot of her bite to me. I, I think especially in this episode, I think she just kind of becomes a non-factor. She just seems to be just like a a pawn in, in the game that I'm sure is Craig's, the, the long game that is Craig, as opposed to like, I actually found her kind of interesting in the sense that she was like the class president who falls from grace and then kind of has to rebuild herself. And unfortunately, she's running into the same issue she did back in season one, where like she became, ev- like her relationship was everything to her. Her her relationship dynamic with Jimmy was like so much of who she was as a person, so much of her identity. And and in this case, we see her blend into Craig, and she's not even romantically involved, and yet she's in his band and a creative force behind it, and all that type of stuff. And, and I understand this is just something that teenage girls do and something adults do and something that, you know, everybody can fall fall into. But as a viewer who's been following her for as many seasons as I have, it's like, you know, I need, I need to see something different. And instead we're seeing her lose a lot of the spark that she had and that she was working on. Especially because it's like I understand that she was going to let go and she was going to make amends with Craig. And I understand that they could have a friendship, and I think that exes being friends in a healthy way is good. But also, at the same time, when you start reintegrating your personality to each other, even though you're not together, like, it's it's not great either. Well, I would have loved for them to smooch. And they're like, you know what, let's get back in the recording studio. They, like, they go back, and Ashley sees Manny, and just, like, a light bulb goes off over her head. She's like, that's right! You cheated on me! Right! Fuck you! And just, like... Go, walks out, backs out, doing the ex going give it to you, like, cross chop. Right! No, but exactly! <laughs> and then, like, she sheepishly comes back in, and she's like, I forgot my my giant keyboard, if you'll excuse me, and just walks back out. Right, like, that's, but that's the thing, it's like, it, what I love, when I love Ashley, is when she is petty and bombastic, and, like, the, reacts. The last time I really loved Ashley was when she called Manny and Craig stupid for having a baby. Right, like, like there's stuff like that where she has bite to her, and, and when she doesn't, when you take that away from her, you do just end up with this sad girl who just, 
becomes whatever whoever she's involved with. I, I realize, I think, well, the reason we like that is because it's all the shittiness of Emma, but with none of the baggage of being like, I'm a good person! Right, like, Ashley leans in. <laughs> like, And I, I like that about her, and I, I, I don't think she's, like, a bad person. I think she's she's a better person than Emma a lot of the time. Yeah, no, like... But not with the self-righteousness. Yeah, that, like, I would have loved to cut to Ellie and Ashley after that, and, like, I was like, holy shit, and Ashley's like, you know what? That felt good. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, she she had, like, yeah, it's just kind of, like, one of those things where it's just, like, I, I think everything in this episode, I don't think a lot of the beats in this episode were inherently, like, never do, but I do think that most of it did not meet, make the mark. Very little of it was actually worthwhile. And it's disappointing. Yeah. It's disappointing when it's... two episodes ago you had a school shooting. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, it's so, ha- it's so half-handed. Like, it's yeah. so, it's so, like, you, they're slapping at these, like, really cool, like, thematic beats and, like, these really cool character moments between the characters and they just, like, never get there. It's just all, it's just all in service of these weird, like, teeny, tri- like, I don't know. It's very, it's, I was, I mean, I, I loved doing the show very, very much. And I, I, I very much enjoy revisiting a lot of these episodes, but it was, mm-hmm. I was very disappointed that this was just kind of like a nothing episode. Like that, like, especially after such a momentous event in the narrative of the show as the shooting. I agree. Yeah. Um, that's, you know what, I'm going to take that and run with it and go straight into my, uh, episode ranking D minus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like this episode was just fucking bad. I, the only thing I enjoyed was talking about it with you guys. Other than that, I, if I never watch this episode again, it'll be too soon. Yeah. Fair enough. Dare you do character rankings? Um, okay, yeah, this one I'll do it for. Um, uh, Spinner going down, in my estimations, he'll keep going down until he apologizes to Jimmy. Jimmy staying roughly where he is. Now, I'll give him, he, he's going to go up a little bit for trying to make the most of a bad situation. Marco, poor, sweet, mo- suffering Marco. Uh, you're staying exactly where you are, which is to say very high in my estimations. Paige is staying, in my estimations, where she is. I'm not docking her points for having a crush on this teacher and acting upon it because she is a child. Like, she make, like children make bad decisions. Mr. Oleander, on the other hand, he is going to enjoy hanging in the depths of hell with the rest of the shitty male characters on this show <laughs> because he is an adult. He is an adult, and as an adult male, or like as an adult in a position of power over a child who has a crush on him, your main focus should be, hey, stop doing this because I'm an adult, you're a child, this is wrong. Instead, he's just like, oh, oh, I don't know. Oh. Yeah, no, there's no dithering on this. Charlie, on the other hand, she sees what's up. She is, she's going to start, she's the first time on the list. She's starting pretty, a bit above the middle. Um, Craig, acting like an idiot, you're going down to points. Ashley, uh, staying where she is. Um, did I say Spinner? Spinner's going down in points for being still just 
a right dick. Um, Mark, I said Marco. Um, he's Marco, yeah. Hazel, you can go hang out with Marco in the upper echelons. Um, is that it? Um, I think you pretty much covered everybody. Yeah. Anybody? Oh, know. Manny can stay where she is. I'm, I'm not blaming you, Manny. I'm blaming the writers. Yeah. So that's it. That's Kim character rankings. All right, so let's go to recommendations. So my recommendations are <laughs> silly. Um, I, as people probably have picked up on, um, have not been exploring very much media recently except for Fire Emblem and my other thing, Top Chef. So if you feel like revisiting competitive cooking shows, it is on Hulu. Um, I will say that some of the early seasons are rough, mostly because men are awful. So, if you want to see men being terrible, there's a couple seasons that are perfect for it. Um, but some of the later seasons do have a more familial vibe that I think works a lot better for the show. Um, also, Frank and I went to went on a garage sale hunt this weekend, and I won for best frickin' thing to find, which is a heavily earmarked, uh, heavily marked up book called The Psychology of the Sopranos, Love, Death, Desire, and Betrayal in America's Favorite Gangster Family. Yeah, yeah, I live near a university, so I get cool shit. This is a whole whole thing. This is a whole line of books. You can buy, like, The Psychology of Batman, The Psychology of the Suicide Squad. You can buy, like... Holy shit, that's yep. amazing. Yep, um, the dedication is to my fellow Bada Bingers. And, um, oh, the, oh, I don't like the racial optics of that. Right. <laughs> but the, uh, <laughs> it's a bad one. And then the essays are called Bada Being and Nothingness, which I'm going to get tattooed on me. Tony's ailment, <laughs> Janice in Jersey. Tony's therapy, flirting with disaster. Is Tony treatable? Medea, Oedipus, and other family myths. Scenes from a marriage, Godfather Knows Best, and The Lost Boys. I have not started to read this yet, but if you know anything about me, you know that I have a strange fascination of The Sopranos due to familial trauma and being Italian-American, so I am very excited to find time to watch the, to read this in between playing video games. Video game, let's be real. So. I don't, I don't, I don't remember a uh, vampire plot line on The Sopranos, but that would've been a hell of a way to go out. Right. <laughs> it being heavily, it being heavily earmarked, I think is the funniest part of that story. <laughs> that like someone really kept going back to it. Yeah, no, there's like different ink colors in it. Um, there's parts of it that are folded oh, over. Um, there are stars and arrows. Um. The relationship between a father and daughter is like no other. It's like, it's like, it's just like that. Like, it's from 2002, so like, it's of a school of psychology that probably is no longer even used anymore, which I'm all the more excited about. Um, at the same, at the same garage sale, I was going to buy a Stetson cowboy hat as a prepared. That was a different house, let's be clear. Yes. This was a house that was lovely. Yes. Frank had a horrible experience at another house. I was going to buy this sick-ass <laughs> Stetson hat, and the, the dude selling it was like, like, oh, it's the same hat as um, Clint Eastwood and Hang Him High. I'm like, well, I'm not super in love with that. And he's like, well, you, you you look a bit like him. If you dropped a few pounds, 
Then he patted my fucking stomach. Oh! And in the words of... Oh my god, did you immediately punch him in the face? Like, no, I just kind of stood there shot, and in the words of yeah. my bu- words of my buddy Danny, I've never seen a sail die faster than that. Right. <laughs> oh my god, that's... That's awful. <laughs> that's... So yeah, um, but I did buy I did buy a sick bunk a sick bunch of ties from my was it the same house or a different no, house? No, no, that was a different house. That house was also really nice. Yes. Um, Lovely train Justin, people. Justin, what do you got for uh, recommendations? Uh, well, I don't have anything really thematically uh, that that could tie to the show, but I do have I do have two things that I'm currently uh, ingesting at. at that right now that I really enjoy. Uh, one is this meatball stuff. Th- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this this fine cold cut combo from Subway. No, eating us up. Yeah, just doing shitty, just doing like shitty, just in in cable like advertising for Subway uh, on audio, which I mean would totally pop. Um, no, Loop on the Third Part 5. Uh, the current Loop on the Third uh, uh, series that's going on right now, I it's really fun. Like, I, I've kind of fallen off of it. I really love Loop on the Third. I mean, you can probably tell just from my screen names and stuff like that. Um, but this new one, it's, like, really Mission Impossible-esque, I suppose. Like, it's very tech-based. Um, uh, they they really nailed the characters i think it's a really cool introductory series for people that have not gotten into lupon before uh that i think would get them into it to kind of like show how it's really fun and how their the character dynamics can pop the other thing is a book called players by terrence dix uh it's a doctor who book it's one of the the past doctor adventures uh starring colin baker's sixth doctor terrence dix was a um uh super prolific british writer uh, in the British science fiction scene, he wrote a lot of Doctor Who in the Third Doctor and Fourth Doctor uh, era, eras. He also wrote a lot of Avengers. He's kind of like a, this weird, unsung, um, but still hyper prolific British uh, Doctor Who writer that, like a lot of other Doctor Who writers, have like uh, uh, really glommed onto as like their inspiration so like uh this this book in particular players is really fun because it's like six doctor and winston churchill um screwing around with like these uh interdimensional game players that are trying to futz with history but the, the coolest part is the six doctor is constantly like telling churchill how big of an asshole <laughs> he is so it's not like the usual kind of like rah-rah jingoism that you kind of get from uh historical figures doctor who it's available digitally and like anywhere you can get uh, uh, books. I, I highly recommend the old cover because they're weird. Um, Lupin, I think, is on cable right now. Uh, uh, it's on the, the Adult Swim app, and uh, you can watch it on Tsunami. I think it comes on Sundays. Nice. Okay. Um, I'm going to recommend two games. Um, one is D&D. Uh, Just Dungeons and Dragons. Well, like, I, oh, I've never heard that's. Um, I'm just like so weird. Never heard of it. I'm just getting impressed that like fifth edition, they're throwing a lot more um, LGBTQ content mm-hmm. in their pre-made modules. Yeah. I, just, I just think that's rather rad, and I think it's like 
I mean, I just love D and D, and I'd rather like. I mean, I'd I'd say like, I'd rather play D and D than watch this episode again, but I'd rather do. I'd rather play D and D than eat don't, most times. <laughs> don't freaking tease! Don't tease me, man. I've been trying to. I've been trying to get a game going for like a really long time, and I feel like uh, you guys would be amazing to play with. Just putting oh, that out there, universe, maybe. I'm uh, I'm currently playing a rogue goblin named Drumbark Flaps. Good. Who is the old man <laughs> of the group, and also is just like eh, whatever. Um, and also the game Roombo First Blood, where you play a tiny uh, Roomba vacuum cleaner who is trying to defend um, its home from uh, burglars. Wow. And you, you like, <laughs> I love it because you have a little horn, and that's about it, but you can manipulate, like, electronics and stuff to, like, hurt the burglars, but then, like, once you dispense, dispose of them, you need to clean everything up. So like, it's just adorable. It's like it's like a stealth trap kind of game. Amazing. That's the best. <laughs> and the the vacuum cleaner is so cute. Oh. With that said, though, Justin, you've made it through. Oh my gosh! We all did it. We did it together. We truly through, did. Through Craig's boring bands and through. Troubling sexual politics. We've made it through. We truly did. Are there ways that people can continue the conversation with you? Yes, you can find me on Twitter uh, at j underscore partridge the third. Uh, you can also email me at justbetweenthepanels uh, I'm usually on Twitter yelling about the X Men, or uh, yeah, it's it's been a lot of X Men. It has the been. last couple months. I respect it. <laughs> Um, if you want to talk to the podcast, there's a couple ways you can do it. You can email us at ihopod at gmail.com. Um, you can also follow us on social media, on Twitter, um, at ihopod, as well as our Facebook group at I Hope I Can Make It Through Podcast. Um, feel free to send us any questions or comments if you're interested in potentially appearing. We're definitely up for hearing from you. Um, and we really would love you to be on the show because, hey, it, we... Honestly, having guests on the show makes this experience all the more pleasant, even when, especially when we end up with mediocre episodes. Because um, we made this challenge, we're not skipping any episodes, so here we are. Um, if you'd like to support the show, there's a couple ways you could do that. You can um, write us a review. Once we hit 20 rev- ratings and reviews, we're going to go back into the Degrassi archives and check out Degrassi High as well as Degrassi Junior High. You can also donate to our coffee. Any money that we make in our coffee goes to compensating our guests as well as tuck upgrades. So feel free to support us if you have the ability uh, to do so. Um, if you want to keep in touch with me, you can follow me on Twitter at DM is Unbreakable. Unfortunately, it is Fire Emblem Hell, so if you are not interested in seeing a lot of pictures of character smooching, perhaps you should not follow me right now. Um, also, I have an article coming up this coming Friday on Palm Mag, uh, which is Palm Mag. Uh, Palm Mag, I've been writing a couple articles for. I wrote an article about Marco on there and things like that. This one is actually going to talk a little bit about my summer from hell and how I have been able to cope uh, through video games and friends. Um, so if you are interested, that is coming, that is going live this week. I'm very excited about, um, yay. I don't have a, um, Twitter, but I do have another podcast called Teen Girl Talk, where I review, um, movies and TV shows, uh, teen movies, TV shows, and music with my sister. Um, right now, uh, we're 
finishing up Snaping September with um, the last two Harry Potter films. Um, listen to this week's episode to hear us cry a whole lot. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, I also have a YouTube channel called Sir I Would Challenge, uh, where I talk about video games and uh, fan fiction and mental health stuff and comics. Um, other than that, uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm Sir I Would Challenge. That's and, with, it. and with that said, everybody, we hope we can keep making it through and that you're going to be there with us. See you next week. Later. Bye. Bye. Yo, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. So tell us what you want, what you really, really want. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want.